This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into a new edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast where the commitments keep on rolling. Lonnie White is the center of attention on this episode. Four-star athlete out of Malvern Prep in Pennsylvania is the latest member of the Penn State Nittany Lions 2021 recruiting class, commitment number 12. Nine of those have come since April 9th. That is a four-week span, and 10 of them dating back to Landon Tangwall's commitment on the final Thursday of March. Penn State has a lot of momentum brewing on the recruiting trail. That's been a consistent theme for our episodes twice a week lately. We can't really get to one without looking back at a commitment, it seems, which is fine by us. And uh, we do have some content coming up from Landon Tangwall. Caught up with him a little bit earlier. He prides himself as a class leader. Some insight from Landon. Landon later here on the show, some notable new offers to get to, your five-star mailbag questions, uh, a bunch coming your way here. But of course, we start with the commitment, Sean, and this is one when that offer went out, I guess about three weeks ago in mid-April to Lonnie White, forecasted pretty quickly that Penn State would end up with him in this class, and it came to fruition uh, fairly soon. Well, first off, you keep listening. Uh, they'll keep getting commitments. I guess that's how it works, right? Uh, it's good we've gone to two episodes a week, but Lonnie White's a guy that uh, they've been looking at for a while. Of course, played quarterback last year. That's not going to be the case at Penn State. Uh, we, we list him as an athlete. We expect him to play wide receiver, kind of in the same boat as Liam Clifford, but also for class projection, class size uh, reasons, uh, they still have a couple receivers on the board that they want to see. So Lonnie White's just such a, a tremendous all-around athlete, Co- was committed to Clemson for baseball, obviously has backed off that, probably going to play Penn State uh, baseball at Penn State. Um, not the, the uh, I guess he talked to Brian Doan, excuse me, on Thursday night. And, uh, you know, he mentioned sort of baseball and passing. Now he seems to be focused on football, which obviously is a good thing, especially after what Penn State went through with Matt Kippenhammer over the last couple of months and years. So um, you like to see that. Uh, just in general, I mean, just I, I keep looking at his basketball stuff, and that's probably the most exciting thing. I mean, you you put on the tape on football, and he's a you know dual threat quarterback, obviously a guy that can run around. He can also sling it. I mean, he can he can throw the ball. He's not a top level quarterback, but there were some FBS, some some lower level Power Five uh, programs that were looking at him as a quarterback. So that's obviously a positive. But man, his his ceiling. Is at one of two positions. I, I keep bringing up outside linebacker. I'm going to stash that in the back of my mind. I was telling a, a another, um, you know, it's telling somebody else last night when I was covering Keenan Allen's recruitment. Of course, Keenan Allen, uh, you know, tremendous uh, wide receiver uh, for the Chargers. You know, I don't know if he's been All Pro, but he's I'm sure he's been a Pro Bowler. But he was from North Carolina. Um, went to Cal. Um, played wide receiver. Wanted to play wide receiver. His coach, his high school coach, said to me one time he said you know where he's going to end up playing in the pros is he's going to be a weak side linebacker he's going to be a big time guy that can cover ground weak side linebacker I was like I could see that I could get behind that Keenan Allen was a heck of a football player a heck of a of an athlete 
Lonnie White just kind of strikes those same chords. And obviously Lonnie White, um, you know, not as uh, highly regarded as Keenan Allen, and I don't expect him to be. But when you take a look at the the body of work that they've been able to do, whatever they've been able to do, he's, he's just one of those guys that is successful whatever he does at quarterback. He's played receiver before he's played quarterback. He's played safety. Obviously, with baseball, there's a ton of success involved as well. But just whatever he does, he's been good at. And I think that's one of the things that that Penn State values among guys that they bring in that don't have a position is, hey, you know, maybe you're not this guy. Uh, maybe you're not this uh, this guy that's been playing this position all these years. That's obviously cut and you know cookie cutter uh, made for this position. But you're such an athlete. You're such a uh, competitor and and an all around guy that uh, you know you you really fit the mold of what we're looking for. So you you've got a guy like Taylor Stubblefield who's on campus. Who's who's got who's kind of renowned as more of a technician? You bring Lonnie White in. He's a little rough around the edges, but there's so much to like about what he can turn into eventually. And that's part of the reason. And I've talked to Brian Doan about this a bunch. That's part of the reason why he's now a four star on twenty four seven Sports. A few summers ago, I'll give you credit for this. You looked at a wide receiver uh, going through drills at the Penn State camp, one of their several in the summer, and you said that kid's gonna play linebacker turned out to be the top ranked linebacker in 24 seven sports five-star Curtis Jacobs uh so hey we've seen these kind of transitions take place uh I think with Lonnie White the explosiveness um really stands out you mentioned those dunks uh, on the basketball court you shared one of those highlights on Twitter last night and this kid goes up and gets it above the rim uh at six foot two that's saying something and uh for as much as he does on the baseball field you know getting that kind of an offer an opportunity as a sophomore to go to Clemson and play the sport uh, maybe major league baseball scouts are, are going to be snooping around this kid uh next year we'll find out about that uh but you know you you tie that with his football stuff and you're still drawn to his basketball talents you know this is the kind of uh athlete that James Franklin often describes on signing day in his press conference they look for guys who excel in multiple sports they look for guys who excel at multiple positions you often hear Franklin say you know you want a guy who looks like he could be a power five talent on both sides of the football whether it's a a defensive end uh, who could play tight end or offensive tackle uh, or a running back who could play linebacker uh you know he always makes those kind of comparisons and now with Lonnie White you know like you said quarterback safety linebacker wide receiver um, you know you look at that what this kid brings to the football field I, I like what he told Brian in in the write-up that's up online 24-7 about uh, really just enjoying competing for those 50-50 balls and when you talk about how this kid can get up in the air and the fact that he's already six foot two, two ten, that's that's really good physical physical size uh, and, and you'd imagine what will he look like with another year of high school and, and a semester or two of of work in Dwight Galt's program at Penn State you know we're talking about uh, one of those guys that 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 you know maybe was going to be a, a major secret obviously the secret's out when Penn State offers the in-state kid and the other power five offers were coming around but this wasn't a guy who, who came out of his junior year initially and and had an array of power five opportunities this is something that kind of snowballed over the course of the winter into the spring um, so you know unlike some of these other members of the Penn State recruiting class who have been on the radar with the Nittany Lions and with other Big Ten and Power Five programs since their sophomore, maybe even freshman year when you talk about a Landon Tengwall. This is a guy who really burst onto the scene after his junior year, um, and, and they've got him on board. And, and you know, this is a good example where um, a, a player like this, because he is in Pennsylvania, and we'll talk about this in a bit, 
you're at such an advantage right now because of the structure of college football and the waiting game that everybody is playing. You know, if you like this kid and he was, uh, you know, and you got him on camp and, and, and at some point in the past, and let's say he's at going to high school in Virginia right now or New Jersey, I think that's a tougher sell. But, you know, being being out of Malvern Prep and, um, you know, the, the in-state opportunities and options and, and offers, quite frankly, have not been that frequent in the 2021 cycle. So to get it done with this kid right now, get him on board and, and feel like you're good to go and you're not going to risk any kind of decommitment down the line. This feels like a really strong commitment for Penn State when you go through uh, the, the series that they've had. Uh, this one stands out as one that I think they're, they're really going to be thrilled with long term. I think so. And, and you look at what else is on the board. Uh, Caden Prather, Dante Thornton, Jaleel Farouk, uh, Andrew Anthony, as we spoke about before the podcast uh, went on the air. I mean, you know, you're not just taking a receiver to take a guy right now. And that, and that's sort of where they're at with a couple of different positions. And, you know, you, you know, he, he hasn't been, you know, a receiver in the traditional sense, but started last year at the position, then eventually switched to quarterback. He started at that position. He caught 10 passes for 108 yards and a touchdown against Imatep, which has three, um, well, it's got three division one, uh, you know, FBS power five offer guys in its secondary in this class. And then beyond that has a really, really good 2023 freshman uh, uh, safety who's uh, I believe has a Penn state offer. So um, that's certainly a, 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 an eye opening performance for a guy that obviously didn't play a lot of receivers. So um, you, you like what white brings to the table as, as an athlete, you like what he brings, uh, you know, he kind of fits that profile that you're looking for um, to, to make your roster better. I keep mentioning outside linebacker because I'm, I'm greedy and that's, you know, certainly you, you, you know, you think of a poor man's Curtis Jacobs when you think of Lonnie white, but uh, yeah, just looking at his body type, looking at the way that he moves um, you know, he's, he's a long way from being a, an impact wide receiver, but I do think that he can eventually be, be a guy that's a number one. I would suggest, uh, for our VIP subscribers, those interested in VIP subscriptions, uh, Brian Doan has a great write up on this. He does analysis after just about every one of our commitments. Sometimes if it's, if it's, uh, in the Michigan region, you might, it might be Alan True coming through with that. But in this case, uh, Brian, you know, he ended it. I don't want to give away the whole thing, but he ends it with, if he develops his route running, he can be a number one wide receiver for Penn State and one of the top ones in the Big Ten, his ceiling is extremely high. Brian's and a pretty I, straight I'm, shooter. I'm, yeah, I'm high on him. Doan's even higher on, on Lonnie White than I am. So, I mean, he's been, he's been the driving force behind, you know, moving him up to four-star status on 24-7 sports. I mean, we we took a look at him as a quarterback uh, probably in January, and he's like, He's like, who is this kid? Like, he's he's got everything that you want. I don't know if he's a quarterback, but and then all of a sudden you start to see these offers pile up, and it sort of went with uh, went with the flow of his recruitment because he was still a quarterback uh, recruit for some some people at this point. I think Boston College. Um, was one of the first schools to offer him as an athlete. Uh, I think Rutgers wanted him as a quarterback. Um, no offense to the lower level Power Five thing I said earlier, um, but uh, up, it's. Yeah, it does. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that probably could could catch on and play quarterback somewhere. So a, as it went along, as it became uh, more and more well-known that he was going to look to play football, obviously he's been committed to, to Clemson for baseball since 2018. As that continued to appear that football was going to be the thing, then started getting on different schools' radars, took a visit, uh, took a visit to Ohio State in, in uh 
early March, I believe it was. And, you know, just a, a lot of interest that came his way. Michigan, Michigan State offered after Penn State. But when that Penn State offer went in, you and I both looked at each other and said, well, this is this is, this guy that's probably going to be talking about in a couple of weeks or a couple of months as a commitment for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, made made a lot of sense early on. And, and here we are three weeks later. He is on board uh, along with 11 others. Uh, full write up on this commitment uh, from Brian Doan, insight from the high school coach, insight from Lonnie White, and, and a nice review of, of the skill set that Penn State is getting at the six foot two, a 210 pound talent uh, that comes on board. We also have a full rundown of the entire class uh, catching you up on what these guys are about. Things are happening quickly. I know a lot of you follow commitment by commitment. You may have missed one, even if you do that, because they have been coming aboard so fast. So that's all up online, 247.com at this moment. And Sean, when we look across the board here at this uh, 2021 class, now ranked 11th nationally, um, come a long way in a month. You know, Can't really uh, overstate that, but who do we think is left to look for in Pennsylvania? Because it's been a pretty interesting and, uh, you know, not not your not necessarily your typical 2021 or typical recruiting cycle in Pennsylvania. Uh, once again, the offers are not necessarily abundant. Uh, some of the top guys committed elsewhere early in the process. And right now you've got three on board, including the kicker you picked up last week, Nate Bruce, uh, offensive lineman out of Harrisburg. And then, of course, now Lonnie White. Two safeties stand out, and there was a nice debate recently up on 24-7 between Brian Doan and Director of Scouting Barton Simmons about who is the better college prospect uh, coming out of Pennsylvania at that position, Donovan McMillan and Derek Davis. Um, So I'm not going to ask you to weigh in on that. If you do, sure. Those two names stand out, though, Sean. Who else in Pennsylvania do we need to keep close tabs on? Nolan Rucci, obviously. I, yeah, obviously Nolan Rucci. I think I've weighed in on that one before. I'm, I'm firmly on Team Derek Davis um, for that one. And I apologize for my voice. If you can hear that, I can feel it in my throat. I, I mowed yesterday, so I probably have some allergy linger, lingering allergy effects. So I apologize for, for my voice today. Um, but I go with Derek Davis. Um, I don't think there's much debate, to be honest with you. I know Derek Davis has been on the board since he was a freshman. He's been a guy that's been highly rated since he was a freshman. So you kind of I don't want to say get numb to those guys, but you kind of forget what you have in the talent that he has. And he's a tremendous two-way talent, a ton of offers. You know, Ohio State looks to be in the best position right now. Of course, they have a bunch of commitments, uh, you know, in the in the secondary as well. So we'll see what happens with that. But I don't see anything happening with Derek Davis in the long run. I like Donovan McMillan. I mean, there's, not, there's nothing against him. To, to say that you're not the same prospect as Derek Davis isn't a slight as much as it is, you know, I really like Derek Davis. But uh, uh, Donovan McMillan is a guy that's seen his stock just blow up. He's very new to the process. If you follow him uh, on Twitter, you're not sure which way He's kind of looking because I think that's a little bit a little bit by design, but also he's just so new to this that it's it's all new, it's all really awesome to him. I'm sure he'll get tired of it at some point. They all do. Um, but uh, Derek Davis this down has to been 10, his high school career. I mean, you know, you think Derek Davis this has been the norm since uh, November of his freshman year? Yeah, okay, another Power Five offer. McMillan's been like, here is a bunch of Power Five offers. Figure out to do with these. So McMillan got his offer from Penn State and we reached out to him, of course, and he's uh, I think he was wrestling that day or something like that. And Doan had reached out to him and, and he got back to both of us. And and of course, Doan, as he does, just hopped on the interview right away and did, did a phenomenal job with it. And I got back to him and I said, hey, man, I, I see you talk to Doan. I appreciate you giving us some time. So thank you for that. And I'm just not going to bother you because we have, you know, Doan already got you. He's like, no, I'll do the interview with you. And I'm like, 
man, you don't know what's coming. So <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> um, but no, he's, he's been great to deal with it. Great kid. Uh, got, you know, you hear a lot of good things about him. Of course, he's got the wrestling background that everybody likes. I mean, you obviously usually hear about your defensive tackles and your offensive linemen with a wrestling background. You throw a safety in there. It's kind of a, a little bit of a different flavor, but, uh, you know, he's, he's a good prospect. I, I'm curious to see how he continues to grow. He's got a nice little frame on him. Is he that weak side linebacker that, that you're looking at eventually? It's very possible. So, um, we'll see what happens. It, it's a, it's a good storyline for those guys, but I don't think either of them is going to do anything soon. And I think that falls into, you know, you're sort of at a line right now. You've got guys waiting to see what happens with that dead period. And, and some guys, once they announce that that dead period is not going to extend in June and July, which, you know, kind of expect it to happen, then they'll be ready to make a decision. Others are going to push that back and wait until they can get back onto, to, to see other schools and to, to other campuses and things like that. So I think it's, it's going to be a very definitive split between guys that, uh, might move their decisions up and guys that might just want to hold off and, and go with it. So I think those two guys are are really, you know, prime guys that will eventually hold off and, and not make their decisions for a while. A couple Pennsylvania four-star safeties to monitor. As Sean mentioned, Donovan McMillan, uh, like Lonnie White, recently getting that four-star label from 24-7 Sports. Derek Davis has been kind of the name to know or among the names to know. Really, the name to know in this cycle for Pennsylvania is Nolan Rucci, five-star offensive tackle. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast. Uh, Clemson involved there. Wisconsin, where his brother plays, involved there. A Nittany Lions legacy. Um, again, you wonder how does it play into everything? The fact that he can't go, uh, to visit schools beyond Pennsylvania right now or anywhere, but, uh, you know, it's resulted in some lost chances to get to, to Penn state, but it also is kind of, uh, it, you know, enclosed the whole process. And, and so we'll, we'll find out more about that. Lennon Tengwall, uh, feels pretty confident about that, uh, getting another top offensive lineman on board, but some other names to know here. And, and it's been interesting because things have evolved for a bit. Elijah Judy for a while, edge rusher to know out of Philly has committed to Georgia. Um, you know, there was an offer about a month and a half, two months ago, uh, to a Philly defensive back named Tyreek Chappelle. Then Penn state goes on a tear with defensive back commitments. He'll be in, he'll land somewhere else. And then there's a couple defensive linemen, Sean, out of the Pittsburgh area. Uh, Dorian Ford is one. And then Elliot Donald, uh, who of course, course the nephew of Aaron Donald the former pit great and and maybe the best player in the NFL the last three or four years um, also uncommitted at this stage yeah both defensive tackles uh, in a class that you don't really need a ton of defensive tackles but there, there's an abundance of them for once you know finally we're here there's an abundance of defensive tackles for you to choose from so uh, they've had Dorian Ford on campus for camp. Uh, they like him a lot. They have Elliot Donald on campus several times. He had an official visit set up. He's been receptive to them. I still think he's going to pit. I don't think there's uh, many people that don't think he's going to pit. But, you know, he's kept those lines of communication open. He's, he's you know, at least uh, been interested enough to return calls and, and talk at length with coaches and things like that. So, I mean, I wouldn't call it a 0% chance, but, you know, Penn State's still still hanging around in that one, although we everybody expects him to go to Pitt. Uh, another guy we're probably not talking about really enough, uh, Khalil Dinkins from North Allegheny. Um, you know, obviously, he's got an NFL bloodlines. His father, Darnell, uh, played defensive back at Pitt and then was a tight end in the NFL, won a Super Bowl. So um, this is a very talented kid that's also a very quiet kid, that, that very unassuming. Um, Penn State's recruiting him as a tight end. Um, you kind of fits sort of fits an athlete mold, but more of a tight end than anything. He's I think he's offensive minded. That's where he wants to play in college. Uh, I know some schools have looked at him as a potential outside linebacker or a defensive end, but a lot to like there as well. So some guys in the in Western PA, you know, it's it's really interesting with the class size. 
you know, uh, sort of, you know, getting smaller by the day almost or smaller by the episode. Um, it's it's interesting how they're going to balance some of these guys. Of course, you go back to Eastern PA, you know about the need that Penn State has at defensive end. Robert Jackson at Archbishop Wood, Eric Gentry at Newman Goretti, uh, both long, just flowy athletes that, you know, are, are not really there yet as football players, but they fit that profile of what Penn State's gone after in the past at defensive end, and they've had some success with. So um, keeping an eye on those guys. So Pennsylvania, you know, you, you talk about the you know, everybody's staying at home, the quarantine, you know, it's, it's, I was asked about this in the chat this week. And I said, you know, you're better off having talent close to home to work with in a situation like this. Not that this is a a situation you plan for or can do anything like that, but you want to have your talent that you're going after closer to home. That's why we're probably not going to see as many Florida guys in this class or, you know, many Florida guys at all in this class, just because the, the potential for visits isn't there. So I think it's a really interesting sort of uh, subplot to this that you still have what one, two, three, four, five, six guys um, in Pennsylvania. And then some other guys that you're, you know, you really like, typically you'd like to see them in camp, but you also get a chance to, uh, you know, to, to, to do your homework, to get some more evaluation uh, data on them and see where you end up with, with guys like Robert Jackson and Eric Gentry. So I, I think it's, uh, you know, there's a good bit of, of meat left on the bone in Pennsylvania. Obviously, Rucci and, and Derek Davis are the, are the big guys to watch and the big guys that they certainly want. I had uh, Nolan Rucci at number one on my big board earlier this week, uh, which is no, not a surprise to anybody whatsoever. And Lonnie White, by the way, was number two. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to keep going. And, and they've got needs, obviously, at wide receiver, even though they've got the two athletes in this class. Uh, they've got needs uh, at defensive end still and in the secondary and, and of course, at offensive tackle. And and Sean, you mentioned the lack of visits occurring in, in recruiting right now. The one thing that's really going to start to become more apparent is the lack of camps, which in normal circumstances would be just right around the corner. We'd be heading back to the field and watching Penn State coaches uh, observe and, and Penn State players serve as those camp counselors. And that's where you find, you know, so, so maybe some new interests. Maybe you confirm some things one way or the other on whether a kid is going to be worthy of an offer. And to me, that's when we talk about the Pennsylvania recruiting class, because, you know, usually you get a flood of PA kids at these camps. That's maybe where you see the impact felt. This time last year, Fatoma Mulba did not have an offer. Tyler Elsden did not have an offer. They both went to camp, showed up, tested well. Uh, in Elsden's case, he came back to another camp, and they earned offers, and they ultimately signed with Penn State. And both of them enrolled early at the end of the day. But you know, this time last year, they were not holding Penn State offers. So uh, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that ultimately impacts things. In terms of guys who do hold Penn State offers, you mentioned you have that big board up. I'd suggest our VIP subscribers go check that out. Sean listed 15 names, one of them being Lonnie White, who are priorities for Penn State on the offensive side, moving ahead in the 2021 cycle. If we're looking at maybe some more momentum rolling in the next weeks, um, I know a lot of guys are going to start releasing top lists and, and narrowing things down. Who maybe is is further along towards the finish line than some others uh, from what you gather, Sean? Well, you wonder if there's going to be any sort of pressure on on the wide receivers right now because you do have those two guys who are listed as athletes in Liam Clifford and Lonnie White who are also projected to play wide receiver. Um, but you you know the names that are out there in Caden Prather and Dante Thornton and and Jaleel Farouk. Well, Caden Prather seems like he seems to be inching along. You take uh, you go back to that split between guys that you know may be ready to make a decision based on that dead period ruling and guys that that want to wait it out. I think Caden Prather is on uh, the side of that where you could make a decision uh, seemingly 
earlier than his timeline would suggest. Uh, Maliki Mataveo uh, from from uh, Nevada hasn't been on campus, but just this kid loves Penn State. He's never been here. Um, I, I I don't like to forecast kids that commit to Penn State with uh, you know without uh, visiting, but. I mean, here we are. So uh, well, it, it, this is not a, a situation that you foresaw coming. I mean, you, you talked to Landon Tengwall about it earlier. I mean, there's obviously kids saving spots. And we're going to talk about uh, Bud Elliott's piece a little bit uh, I, I probably next in terms of uh, there's going to be decommitments. There's going to be things. I don't think Penn State will be immune to that. But at the same time, you want to do your research. You want to, you know, Franklin talked about his no visit policy this week. So there's a lot that goes into it. And of course, Jamari Budden uh, from Michigan, the linebacker that, you know, is uh, sort of, you know, was a Michigan lean. Guys have opened up their crystal ball on him. Michigan State's doing a good job with him right now. Penn State's still, you know, in that hunt as well. So, I mean, there's, there, there's, I don't, I don't know that this run is particularly over right now, but it, it's just going to be so fascinating what happens when that dead period ruling does come down, which should come down sometime in the middle of this month. It kind of felt like last week when when Veyu committed, like maybe that punctuated this this commitment spree. But nope, you know Rodney Rodney McGraw flips from Indiana Sunday, and and now here we are, another four star on board with Lonnie White very quickly. So yeah, there there may be some uh, some things that pop up here in the next few weeks. I think there was some reporting out of the Michigan beat actually of all places that. Button was very seriously considering hopping on board uh, once he saw Jalen uh, Reed and, and the King Twins commit to Penn State there in a 24-hour span, really swayed his attention. And uh, certainly Michigan, if anything, seems to be fading or, or getting pushed to the back burner in that recruitment, which they can't be thrilled about with their in-state recruiting uh, right now. You mentioned this, uh, Bud Elliott wrote a piece. He's been a guest on the show, uh, does a lot of big picture stuff uh, for 24-7 sports. And he, and he wrote exactly what we've been talking about and what a a lot of uh, a lot of college football beat reporters have been wondering as these commitments have come through, not just at Penn State, but you look across college football. It's been a very, very productive April and May for a lot of Power Five programs in terms of building their 2021 class. So, at the back end of that process, does this equate to an epic decommitment season? when visits are reopened and when you can go explore other options. We've been saying absolutely unequivocally yes. Um, again, not sure where Penn State's going to get hit hit there. I think at this point, the good thing for them, you mentioned Maliki Mataveo. He would be the exception to this, but all these guys have been at campus. Many of them have sat down with new coaches. They've been in communication with new coaches. They've at least walked around and understand what they're getting to because I didn't quite understand what I was getting to when I first came to this campus three years ago and realizing that you really feel like you're a couple hours away from the next major town, the next big town. No offense to anybody in that two-hour bubble uh, from here, but you know, if you come from a pretty populated, condensely populated area like I did from New Jersey or like a kid would from Florida or Virginia, you come up here and you know happy valley really is you know you're in the valley there's a lot going on you go over the mountain you know it's not the same situation so i feel like committing to a place like penn state and a lot of programs are kind of isolated in where they are in terms of their campus and and what surrounds it across college football but that's a lot of blind faith as much as you may like the coaching staff as much as you may like the the brand of the football program that's tough to, for me to imagine that that committing without ever getting to a campus, as Franklin talked about on his call this week, um, it, it just kind of sets the stage for a lot of uneasiness on both ends of the equation in my mind. 
I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, it, that's why I'm so um, reluctant to, to forecast uh, Monteveo to Penn State. It's just, you know, it, there's so many unknowns. And, and a lot of these guys that have committed have been on campus multiple times, know the area, know the the, the tradition and, and the lineage and all that, the stuff that they're committing to. Um, you know, from from outside the region, that's that's a different story. And even, even those Michigan kids, I mean, they've been on campus a couple of times, but they can't just, you know, hop in the car and, you know, like Landon Tangwall could come up here for a weekend whenever he wants. You know, it's just it's a little bit different. So we'll see what happens with that. I think nationally, um, you know, you you see you see it two ways. I mean, as the school, the schools have leverage in terms of their class sizes really aren't changing. You've got the opportunity if you want to put pressure on kids, if you want to turn the heat up, you say, hey, that spot might not be there when when things open up. You may not be able to to wait until you can take visits whenever that may be and, and certainly play that up. Um, and on the kids' side, you're like, well, I've, I've done a lot of research. And, and it's interesting because a lot of these times they also talk themselves out of schools. And this is the time of year when they're talking, um, you know, they're seeing so much and seeing so many schools and getting out on these um, these elaborate trips where you see three or four schools in four or five days. And, you know, all of a sudden your head is spinning more when you get back than it was when you left. So I think that's an interesting component to all these things. You know, will you get a clearer decision? I think some people will get, you know, a more clear cut decision when they take a look at, you know, what their priorities are right now and, and where they sit in this situation, while others are just going to be like, man, I don't know what the hell's going on. I have to wait. I have to get back and I have to see more schools. And and I don't think there's a right way about it. Um, if you don't have the research done, if you don't have the the feel that you think you don't have, you know, you probably shouldn't be jumping on board. But at the same time, you know, maybe that spot's not there when you come back. So it's a double-edged sword. Um, it's not good for anybody, to be honest with you. I mean, because it's going to come back and this thing might just explode and and we have a, a second cycle on our hands within the cycle. So um, it's it's truly fascinating to see how this is going to play out. But yeah, it's going to be, uh, you got better strap in for, for recruiting season uh, whenever this thing does get rolling again, because it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of uh, intrigue to this. I think there also is a natural tendency in a time of crisis, and and you just said it. We don't know how long this is going to go, what kind of roller coaster ride we're in for as we try to work our way back to quote-unquote normalcy, whatever that's going to look like. So I think there is going to be kind of a gravitational pull to stay close to home. You know, Maybe it's about taking care of a loved one or making sure that you're not too far away during during a situation like this. Or, you know, maybe it's just, you know, not wanting to go move 2,000 miles away when there's the world is kind of dealing with such an unknown factor right now just across the globe. Maybe you don't want to say, I'm ready to go 2,000 miles away. Then again, being stuck at home with your family may want to drive you as far away as possible. But I think we've talked a lot about this, Sean, from a player's perspective. To me, the most compelling dynamic and the most awkward dynamic is going to be coaching staffs and how they handle trying to wriggle away and get out of these commitments. We see it anyways on a cycle by cycle case where, you know, it gets down to the wire, whether it's now early December or we're talking about, uh, you know, coming up to, to the first Wednesday in February and all of a sudden the staff goes cold uh, on a player and, and, and they want to make room or they don't have room. And uh, all of a sudden the kid who's been committed for six months or a year, all of a sudden there's no more room at the end. And, and, and it's always such a terrible thing to read about, but it happens every year. What happens now? What if you're basing, a, you've written a lot about this because of the testing numbers and do you have testing numbers? When are they from? 
how valid is the information you're receiving? You know, James Franklin did say, unlike when he was going to college football, and probably unlike just 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, uh, there's a lot more readily accessible data on a lot of these players because of the the type of camps and the, and the widespread uh, attendance at the, at different camps and kids being involved in different sports and everything being online. There's a lot of data out there. But what if the kid you offered, you know, the summer before his junior year uh, was based on thinking that he was going to get bigger and faster or trimmed down a little bit and you offered a six foot two defensive lineman who maybe at the time was 265 now he's 285 he hasn't gotten any more athletic he's gotten slower and you have not seen him since but he committed to that offer uh you thought what you had was enough to go off of and then you get him on campus or you send a coach down to see him in person when things resume and all of a sudden you're looking at a prospect who does not fit the mold of what you're looking for and your mind starts to wander well, that guy would look a lot better in this scholarship spot than than this person does right now. How do you get out of that? How many guys are you dealing with in that circumstance? And that's just one team. We're talking about so many programs that I think are going to be kind of having double takes on some of the takes that they made. Well, with the with the value of the scholarship, I don't think there's any question about that. And and you know, places like Milesplit and Athletic.net are very popular these days. Um, you know, guys that have run track. I mean, coaches are just 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 trying to. I don't even know how to explain it. They're trying to uh, devise which times are the most legit. You know, they're 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 learning about wind uh, headwinds and tailwinds and things like that. And it's crazy to see how much effort is going into it because they don't have those camps, they don't have this evaluation period where you know they could go out and see a kid run. So um, it, it's it's truly fascinating stuff. We've written about it a bunch from a Penn State perspective. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious how much this is actually going to uh, affect what the class looks like at the end of the day, because they have tapped the brakes on some kids. They have done their research. They say, all right, well, if we don't know about this kid, we don't know what he runs. We don't know how tall he is, how much, you know, what his reach is, all that length and stuff that they value. We don't know that. So we're going to, you know, take our time. You look at a guy like Corey Kiner, who, who seemed to be, uh, recruiting Penn State's coaches into taking him into this class, wanted to decide in July. Now all of a sudden he's going to decide. Looks like LSU is the pick there, but you know, that's really not saying, you know, that, that he's going to end up at LSU. I mean, it's, it's fascinating stuff. Um, it's, yeah, I like the way that Penn State has done it and other schools have probably done it, but I deal with Penn State on a regular basis, uh, you know, researching their recruitment. Uh, you know, they've decided to, to say pass on a guy like Corey Kiner. Steve went, uh, uh, foggy on his crystal ball to Malik Newton from Virginia. Those guys maybe, uh, you know, are they, are they six or seven on your running back board? Well, you've been running, uh, recruiting running backs so well. Why not focus? on Donovan Edwards. Why not focus on some other guys nationally and see what happens? You don't have to take a guy just to take a guy right now to fill that spot because, you know, this is going to be, you know, it's going to be, there's, there's going to be a long road ahead and, and we'll see what happens and several different things can happen. As you mentioned, decommits are certainly a possibility. So it, it, it's fascinating how they've approached this, how they've sort of gathered themselves. Um, like I said, the, the worst thing you can do right now is take a guy just to, just to fill up a spot because those spots are going to be open later in the, in the process, probably for better players. The unknowns right now loom large and James Franklin said it on his call this week. The gap is going to be very apparent among Penn State players when they get back to campus on who was accountable, who was self-driven while they were away from campus, and who clearly needs more structure, who needs to be pushed more. And that's going to really change the way they maybe view this depth chart, view this roster going into 2020. But to expand on that, think about the high school level. 
I mean, a lot of these kids really require that structure. Um, a lot of these kids, just from a physical standpoint, you don't know how much activity they're getting right now, uh, whether they're weight gainers or weight losers. And this is a time that's very dicey uh, at the high school level because we, they're, I, I can tell you this, there are few and far between where, where, college, uh, where high school football programs are as engaged as these college programs are with their players on a daily basis. I would say maybe just a few of the elite programs across the country are, are, are doing that kind of level of communication on a daily basis and, and having that kind of structure. There's a lot of kids right now cast to the wind. And if they don't, if they need that push and they're not getting it from mom or dad or a mentor, uh, you're looking at some kids maybe taking a, a tumble in terms of who they are as prospects at a very pivotal stage of their high school development. So we'll, we'll table that discussion. It's going to be something that we're probably going to circle back to quite often uh, heading into the summer, late spring. Uh, but first, we're going to take a, a commercial break now. When we come back, uh, some thoughts from Landon Tengwall, uh, Penn State's class leader, um, some new notable offers, and we get to your five-star mailbag questions right around the corner. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Well, you've heard him on the podcast before. Landon Tengwall uh, committed to Penn State on March 26th. He was the first commitment for Penn State in 158 days. And boy, have things changed since he came on board. Caught up with him this week on the phone uh, for about a 20-minute conversation. Already have some written content up on the site. Going to have more in the days ahead. Uh, Really insightful stuff. And Landon loves talking college football recruiting, which is great for us because now he is fully uh, locked in on Penn State. He is fully uh, wearing that hat as the peer recruiter uh, of the class, and he takes a lot of pride in that. And and just some quick takeaways here to bounce around a bit, Sean. The one that I wrote up on on Thursday I thought was very interesting. I asked him about the offensive line recruiting. He's working hard uh, on Tristan Lee, who he considers a a pretty good friend. He knows that's going to be quite a battle. He thinks uh, Nolan Rucci, still at the end of the day, ends up with Penn State, uh, working on a couple players uh, up in Michigan, uh, Spindler, uh, Benny, but one that he focused in on, he really made it a point to say, this is the one that I think Penn State fans need to keep a close eye on, Diego Pounds out of North Carolina, a guy who got an offer uh, this spring from Penn State. He got an offer from a lot of schools this spring, Auburn, Alabama among those. Um, really saw his recruitment blow up. He's a three-star composite player right now, but uh, something tells me that that the way these offers are coming up and the way this kid has progressed, one year really focused on the offensive line as an underclassman, defensive line was the focus for him. Uh, but Diego Pounds, uh, coming away from this conversation, maybe he's the one that Penn State, among all offensive line targets is trending in a, in a very good direction with and again he's one that got the offer from Troutwine since Troutwine got here this is not one that that predated Troutwine's arrival 
yeah, he's he's been a spring riser. He's been a guy that uh, has really, uh, you know, moved up the board of, of several teams. I, I still wouldn't list him, you know, in a top tier at Penn State. It's interesting, and I think I've mentioned this on the site before, how many offensive linemen that they are in on. I mean, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. Jonah many, Miller. Uh, Jonah Miller Jonah, got an offer recently. He's got Penn State in his top six. He's in Tucson, Arizona, has not visited campus, but put them among his favorites last week. I mean, it's saying something because you've got, you know, you've got Caleb Johnson in Florida, who's a four-star kid that's got an official visit set up that probably won't happen. Uh, Matthew Wyckoff from uh, from Texas, uh, you know, has got some family connections in Pennsylvania as well that he's got one set up. And, you know, you just go all over the map. The guys in Michigan, I think, you know, I think at the top of the board, it, unquestionably, Nolan Rucci and Tristan Lee, and then it gets a little foggy. You've got Rocco Spindler, who's an interior guy. It's a little bit different, uh, you know, looking at all these potential tackles, but it's good to have a lot of tackles names on the board obviously as we know that has not been the case uh, in recent years so Penn State uh, you know they're looking to hit on these top guys but if not there's there's some decent other options out there including Diego Pounds Pounds is you know a project in every sense uh, he, he's very still fairly new to the position he's a guy that's uh, you know y- you look at the tape and it's it's not great frankly but uh, you see enough things on there that you like what you can you think you can turn him into something and and filter out wine certainly you know probably fits that mold as, as a guy that uh, you you know, you can bring him on and you can have him on campus for a couple of years before he makes an impact on your, uh, you know, on your depth chart. So uh, Diego Pounds is a guy that's been very receptive to what Penn State's putting out there. He's uh, from about, I think, 10 or 20 minutes away from where Ty Howell is from. Ty Howell is, of course, an offensive assistant with Penn State, uh, an offensive analyst with Penn State now. So uh, there's some connections there. And, you know, he's a guy that probably would have been on campus without this whole shutdown. He probably would have already made it to campus for a visit. And, you know, he's, he's receptive to what they're doing. But uh, I just think that on, on the offensive line, uh, outside of those top guys, you're keeping some options open. Phil Troutwine is is putting in a ton of work. And that's something that I've heard, you know, from from his colleagues around the country is you keep hearing his name popping up with with a lot of these top kids and a lot of these uh, kids that maybe aren't on the radar to begin with. You mentioned uh, the kid out in Arizona earlier this week. I mean, it's just there's there's no reason that Penn State, you know, you put together a top 12 or a top 15, whatever. There's really no reason Penn State should be in the top six for a kid in Arizona that's not visiting it or hasn't visited and probably won't have a chance to visit unless you have those relationships. So he's done a heck of a job. I think it's a, a you know a new batch of energy in that in that room uh, on the offensive recruiting side of the ball, and he's been able to focus on on his guys and go after his guys, and and they've been receptive to what he's putting out there. Don't know that he lands you know all the top guys right now with uh, with Tristan Lee obviously looking like a strong lean to Clemson and and and. Uh, Spindler looking at Notre Dame and Michigan as well, but uh, he's put together a heck of an effort that that needs to be commended. I think if he were here longer, uh, you know, I'm not saying Penn State would have that class, that offensive line class wrapped up, but they'd be, you know, in uh, a little bit further along in the process for for what he's done in, in the couple months he's been here has been pretty phenomenal. I, I don't I don't think you've seen the results yet, but. I mean, it's it's impressive from from my standpoint. I'm not a guy that's easily impressed by recruiting efforts because you know you, you ultimately sign the guys that you sign, uh, but the, the, it's different. Let's let's just say that Jonah Miller, by the way, that four star uh, Arizona offensive tackle from Tucson, Kevin Sumlin and the Arizona Wildcats, not on the list. Penn State is on the list, so that's got to make him feel great. 
<laughs> Did someone subtweet him or no? That's just no? I I okay. no, I just it's uh it's something that popped into my head while you were talking about it and, and Arizona did not make that list and uh interesting. Uh anyways probably wants tough Arizona <laughs> kids, you know. That's how it works. Uh so. what, what we talk what we talk with Tengwall, um he mentioned Spindler, uh one and, and Rashawn Benny, uh, both offensive linemen out of Michigan. They have big big hopes for Michigan moving forward. Already have a few players on board from that uh mid April commitment run during the couple days where they got safety Jalen Reed they got uh cornerback and 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 linebacker in the King Twins and now you know focusing on a few more players and he mentioned Donovan Edwards you've talked about this I spoke with Donovan about a month ago when when he kind of said yeah we're starting to get going a little bit with our uh, conversation with with the Penn State staff starting to pick up seems that 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 continues to trend in that direction with Edwards who's a four-star running back and uh, when we talk about what Penn State might do at running back or might not do at running back he's a name that that remains at front and center but beyond him you know Landon Tengwall says he's personally been in communication with Andrew Anthony a wide receiver who has had to cancel that official visit to Penn State out of East Lansing Michigan Uh, so that's a very interesting dynamic and the longer it goes where he can't make this official visit to Penn State uh, and certainly as they add a guy like Lonnie White who looks like he may fill that wide receiver role it it brings up some questions about when Andrew Anthony may be able to commit where the room might be in this class but that's a player that they continue to speak with. And uh, additionally, he mentioned Jamari Budden. So you now there's four or five names in Michigan. And Landon says, you know, it means a little bit more knowing that you've got two Big Ten uh, opponents up there that, that want to keep kids home. It feels pretty good if you can not only add good talent, but stick it to the opponents out of the Big Ten East while doing so. I mean, that's been you know, a silver lining, I guess we'll say. I mean, I don't think that's the priority, but, uh, you know, you look at where Michigan State is right now with uh, with the new coach and I guess where that program was uh, when Mark D'Antonio left. And, you know, there's an opportunity there. Certainly Michigan, um, you know, has been up and down in the state. They're still going to get theirs. I mean, there's going to be some guys that, you know, are mutual targets that are going to end up in Ann Arbor. And that's, you know, that's that's just what happens. So, um, yeah, they've, they've made Michigan a priority. Donovan Edwards is the guy that, that I look to is, I mean, that would be a statement that would be different. Uh, you know, Jamari Budden is one thing. And, and some of the guys that they've already pulled from Michigan are another. Uh, Rayshon Benny is a guy who's probably not going to do anything anytime soon. But Donovan Edwards, if they can get in on that, if they can be in the mix, um, you know, when the season starts, whenever they're able to get guys back on campus, if they can get him in there. Um, so, I mean, you're you're basically pitching to him your running back room. I mean, he hasn't been to Penn State. He's not a guy that, uh, you know, you recruited uh, terribly hard before this. Uh, so, but you've got to rely on your reputation. You've got to rely on, on your big guns to get you out there and get you involved. So I think that, uh, you know, there, there's a shot there. It's probably a long shot at this point, but that would be a statement for Penn state. If they're trying to, to, to sort of send waves throughout Michigan, I mean, that would be the guy that, that, that would really do it for him. From one state in the Big Ten region to another, Maryland, that is a place where, let's face it, Tengwall's trying to be a Pied Piper of sorts and, and bring a bunch of players up to Happy Valley with him next year. Uh, he was really high on Zaki Wheatley. They have played against each other the last few years. Says he's seen a lot of good things about Zaki, uh, who committed in April, going to play in the defensive backfield for the Nittany Lions. Uh, but, you know, he, he knows what's up with those three wide receivers. We, we've talked about it the whole time. That wide receiver board starts in Maryland, and, and you got to get through a few guys 
guys before you get to anybody else. Uh, Dante Thornton, Jaleel Farouk, and, and Caden Prather. Uh, he's working on all of them. Like you have said in the past, he certainly sees Oklahoma a, a, as the team to beat for Farouk, especially uh, if that is where Caleb Williams does indeed end up. Um, sounds a lot more optimistic when it comes to Prather. And, and like we heard from Christian Veyu, the quarterback commit who goes to school down down in Maryland at the Bullet School, um, you know, both of those guys sound optimistic that Dante Thornton is going to end up coming full circle and ending up at Penn State. Um, although they both say there's a long way to go. Landon, Landon knows that that it's likely going to announce a decision at, at an All-American event, which is going to be in the winter. Um, and, and, and so that's a long way away. That gives him opportunities, you'd imagine, to take some of these trips. He's got a pretty far-ranging uh, recruitment process, says Dante Thornton. But uh, both those guys essentially say he knows where home is. So we'll find out about that. Uh, but, but you know, again, again, Tengwell, we, we said it when he committed. He's a great guy to have in your corner. Um, you know, Sometimes I do wonder if, if coaches think that players get a little too overzealous in helping them on the recruiting trail. Um, but, you know, we, we love Landon because he is open to talk about uh, what he's feeling and what he's thinking about. And uh, he's, he's, he's a great analyst on it. So, uh, you know, to, to pass along his information, we've got uh, some written content coming to the site on Lions 24-7. And, um, you know, th- there, there's not always somebody in the class that you can kind of tap into and is going to know this, what's going on across the entire kind of uh, cycle at different positions and what guys' personalities are like. You know, Pat Fryermuth and Jesse Lucetta stood out in that regard a little bit a couple cycles ago. Um, and, and this time around, it really feels like Landon has his finger on the pulse of what Penn State wants to accomplish and the kind of personalities that they want to get on board. And, he, and it'll also tell you, it doesn't look good with this kid or it looks really good with this kid. And, and so interesting stuff from Landon. He's he's not one to to mince words, is he? No, no, he is not. And uh, again, happy to have him on board with Penn State. So last uh, last year, you did this with Nick Dawkins. I mean, Nick Dawkins yeah. was the guy that you turned to. But you take a look at the profiles of Landon Tangwall and Nick Dawkins, and there's a difference. In and this is not trying to disrespect Nick Dawkins, but there's a difference in clout when you're hearing it from the four or five star versus when you're hearing it from the the mid to low three star. So I think that 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 has gone into it. Landon Tangwall very vocal. Um, very uh, goal oriented. I mean, he's found his guys and he's going for them. It's not waiting around uh, to see, you know, who's visiting, who's offering, because, you know, obviously you can't do that right now. He's gone after these guys. He went after Christian Veyu. Um, it's interesting. 66 wide receiver offers listed, uh, or excuse me, 45 wide receiver, 66, they included tight ends in that number, 45 wide receiver offers listed. And we keep coming back to those three in Maryland that have been there the entire time. And it's three different recruitments. It's Caden Prather, who who is the guy that could potentially make a decision um, really at any time. I mean, I don't expect one to come in, in the immediate future, but you know, that dead period ruling is going to affect him more than it affects these other guys. Dante Thornton clearly in it for the long haul. Oregon, Arizona State, a couple of schools that are in there. Tennessee, obviously the way they're recruiting, you have to pay attention to them. West Virginia is in it for a couple of these guys because of uh, of Jared Parker. So there's that, and then Jaleel Farouk, who you know seems to be tied to Cam Will- uh, excuse me, uh, Caleb Williams. He, he's he's off the board, so I forget his name. The top quarterback in the country uh, seems to be tied to to Caleb Williams. Uh, we feel that he's an Oklahoma lean. We feel both of them are Oklahoma leans, but you know that's uh, sort of why they let it play out, and we'll see what happens. He's got official visits set up for June. Probably again, not going to happen. I, I'm tired of preface, prefacing everything we say. Probably with, not. Not gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, we yeah, got that basically. wedding on the schedule for the summer. Probably not gonna happen. That's what we got to do. I mean, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's and it's funny because if you don't say that, and we saw that this 
week with uh, with the lovely uh, <laughs> New Jersey contingent of people writing about James Franklin. If you don't preface it with obviously this is the case, but you know, then he gets taken out of context. So um, we'll uh, we'll move past that, but. Uh, if those visits don't happen, I mean, you got to feel good if you're Oklahoma right now. Oklahoma, of course, you know, has a different uh, recruiting footprint. They've got Texas. They've got a bunch of other uh, receivers on the board as well. So maybe maybe you get lucky and he comes back around to you because, I, like I said, I think the world of, of Jaleel Farouk is a talent. So um, we'll see what happens with those guys. But they, they just remain at the top of the board. And, and even though Penn State keeps offering receivers and they keep having these different guys, we mentioned An- Andrew Anthony a little bit earlier, just keeps coming back to those three. And I think for very good reason, I think they're very talented players. Two, the two most likely there that we talked about, Thornton, six foot four and a half, one eighty five, uh, according to his twenty four seven sports profile. Uh, Caden Prather, six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds. We mentioned Lonnie White, six two, two hundred and ten pounds. Looking at potentially a nice mix of physicality and size coming into that wide receiver room, but there's uh, a lot of work to be done in that department for a first year uh, wide receivers coach who last we checked in with him was all the way out in, in the state of Washington. So. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know when these guys will be able to get to campus and when Taylor Stubblefield will be able to get to their schools and when school's going to be back in session. So a lot hanging in the balance. But as you said, uh, we'll keep tabs on, on that group, especially Prather moving ahead. Um, Sean, really quickly, a few notable offers went out, and, and they're notable for different reasons. Um, the first uh, is notable because it's a 2021 wide receiver. And at this point, uh, those are, you know, those new offers in the 21, 21 class are starting to really, you know, dwindle you don't see too many of them going out at this stage um maybe this is one that's quickly impacted by the addition of Lonnie White I'd imagine it would be but Demetrius Cannon uh, a player out of St. Louis I caught up with him last weekend um you know he's got a nice list of offers when, when he talks about what teams are standing out he mentions Illinois Vanderbilt so this is not a Nolan Rucci kind of commitment where you're talking about Clemson's or the uh, Oklahoma's of the world with some of these guys that you're battling against um, but you know, clearly they're trying to come up with some some options here at wide receiver. We mentioned Andrew Anthony uh, as a guy who, who maybe is on that fringe, and, and you got to want to see what happens with some of these other top targets. Uh, but you know, here's another name to add to that list. It was Andrew Wilson Lamp who got an offer last month, uh, who's committed to West Virginia at the receiver position. So. Very clearly, Taylor Stubblefield and the staff are, are trying to make sure that, that they do have uh, you know kind of a tears uh, right now that they can go to if things don't work out w- with their you know, best case scenario. I mean, there's, there's really no harm in sending out an offer right now. I mean, the kids can't act on it. They can't visit. They can't get out. Demetrius Cannon's there. Uh, Andrew Wilson-Lamp, uh, Jordan Mosley, who's committed to Tennessee. Uh, Omega Blake, who's actually a kid I really like in South Carolina, picked up a recent. I mean, so they're they're just going out there and they're they're offering these kids. And again, the, the main focus continues to be on the Maryland kids, but they're still recruiting guys uh, like Trevante Rucker, who's committed to Florida, and Marcus Burke down in Florida, who you've talked to before. So keeping those options open, I don't know that the numbers are going to allow for it, especially when you have Liam Clifford and and Lonnie White. Even though you've taken them as athletes, probably going to be receivers. So. Um, you know, you, you got to keep your, your options open and, and maybe this is a long-term play. Maybe all of a sudden a guy that, that is committed somewhere or will commit somewhere in the near future gets back on the market late in the, in the process. And all of a sudden you've got to search for receiver. I mean, you look two cycles ago, uh, what was out there and, and you put out an early offer to a guy like TJ Jones, didn't particularly act on it, but you were still in his ear a little bit. You were still in the mix, keeping contact. And then when things open up after the first signing period, they went out and 
they got TJ Jones and, you know, he's at the top of the depth chart as a redshirt freshman entering the spring. So, um, you know, you, you, you never know how it's going to play out, but you want to, you know, keep as many or at least forge as many of these relationships as you can to begin with. And at receiver, I mean, they're, I mean, I don't want to say dime a dozen, but there's, there's a ton of talented receivers out there. Um, they're, they're always going to be on the radar because of their athletic ability. They're always going to be on the radar because usually their production stands out among the, um, you know, among their peers. And, you know, we see that because we rank probably too many wide receivers as four star prospects. So, um, there's a lot of guys out there. There's a lot of, um, you know, the, the pool is very large and, and you're not going to catch any if you don't throw your line in. So a little bit of fishing involved there. The first 2023 quarterback offer was extended this week down in Georgia. And you may say, well, that's interesting, but there is a connection here. Uh, Dylan Lonergan, the son of Dan Lonergan, who played quarterback for the Nittany Lions, was a member of their national championship squad back in the early 80s and ultimately competed to replace Todd Blackledge when he went off to the NFL. That didn't happen, but he graduated from the university in 1984. Um, takes a lot of pride in that Penn State heritage. And, and now his son, Dylan, as just a freshman, this is not a matter of familiarity, folks. He already has an offer from the national champion LSU football program. Vanderbilt, Georgia Tech, West Virginia have also offered him on based on less than a full season as his starting quarterback uh, for Brookwood High School down in Snellwood, Snellwood, Georgia. He took over as a starter later in the season. Uh, for much of the year, he was splitting reps, ended up finishing with less than 1,000 passing yards. But here he is uh, entering uh, you know, mid-May 2020. All of a sudden, he's got a few Power 5 opportunities, one in the Big 10, Big 12, SEC, ACC, uh, a name to know, and, and not just because of that tie, but it certainly helps, Sean, that, that he's, his dad has history, and he was up on campus last year. He got up for the Indiana uh, matchup in November. Yeah, starting um, as a freshman in Georgia is pretty impressive. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure which level that is or what county that is, or, you know, I'm not a big Georgia uh, aficionado, but uh, I mean, you got you to gotta like, if you're offering a kid, if, if any school is offering a kid, I mean, Georgia Tech, I mean, it, here's, a, here's, a, here's the thing, LSU can offer, Penn State can offer, all that stuff, but if you're Georgia Tech and you identify this kid as somebody that you want in state that's just a freshman, I think that opens some eyes. I could say the same thing about Penn, Pennsylvania kids in Penn State. So um, certainly uh, there's a long way to go until that happens, but or until he would make any sort of decision. But to have the um, to have the, the the connections that he does to have all that, uh, you know, sort of history that he could lean on in this uh, in this time when he starts picking up offers, I think it's going to be a good thing. And, you know, you got to say the odds of this kid making it to campus, uh, at least for a visit, for a camp, for all that stuff, pretty darn good. Yeah, compared to the average offer you put out to a Georgia freshman, very good to get him uh, on campus again. And he already knows what it's about up here. So been in Beaver Stadium uh, for a game and, and certainly can hear plenty about the campus from his father. Uh, that will be uh, something we monitor moving forward. Have a story up on the site. Uh, got the chance to speak with Dylan about what this offer meant to him and, and really kind of looking at why he is getting all this Power 5 interest and how he's reacting to it at such an early stage of his high school career. That's up on lines247.com. One other offer I'll get to, and it's a quick one. Um, normally, you see a 2023 offer go out in Florida. You say, okay, whatever. Uh, it's like throwing a fishing line in and seeing where it takes you. But this one's interesting to me because Peyton Kirkland is a freaking man and he is a freshman. He is six foot seven, 285 pounds. This is his first Big Ten offer. He was excited. He's a, he's a kid who sounds, you know, very thrilled to be, uh, you know, in this process already. Very surprised to be in this process already. You turn on the, you turn on the tape and you got to keep reminding yourself 
He's a freshman. He's a freshman. He's a freshman because, again, the size is one thing, but to match it with some solid coordination and athleticism at that age, that's extremely rare. Usually you see kids go through growth spurts, and you hope by the time they get to their junior senior year of high school, they've kind of put it together, and they can move around with some fluidity. Right now, this kid's looking pretty good for his size, and as I said, he looks like a man, and he's got three more years of high school football ahead of him. I mean, at that size, he was going to be on the radar anyway for nationally. I mean, you, you throw together some tape and you you show that you can move. I mean, it's it's going to be a no-brainer for schools to offer him, um, which they already have, obviously. Um, Peyton Kirkland, I mean, I, I, I saw his, his profile. And is he 6'7", 285? Maybe not. Maybe he's 6'5", maybe he's 6'6". He may be still. soon, though, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's probably – you flip on the tape. It's, you're not going to miss by much, even if you list him at 6'7". I remember uh, when I was a freshman, I was 5'9". Uh, but so that was uh, – you know, these guys can grow at any time. But it's a good thing he hit his growth spurt when he did because it's it's kind of ridiculous to look at look at him and see he's a freshman. I mean, we remember Landon Tangwall as a freshman who was, you know, a really big kid. I mean, this kid ha- has got him by a couple of inches. So, I mean, it's uh, – pretty ridiculous to say that he's a freshman i don't know if he's you know maybe he's a 19 year old freshman who knows uh we see uh we see some crazy things out there but uh six seven two eighty five is going to catch a lot of eyeballs uh, around the country from a lot of coaches if the, and if that's even close to accurate he's already taller and heavier than rasheed walker was uh coming out of high school as a top 10 tackle prospect to penn state so yeah there's a lot to work with there certainly a national name to know and just kind of uh, one of those offers that turned our heads this week <laughs> These 2023 kids, man, they just keep they keep coming on the radar. And I know that, you know, there's some there's some red shirting involved and everything like that. But you've got guys uh, like Mega Barnwell down in Virginia, who's 6'5", 250 as a, as a freshman. And that's last fall. I mean, that's not even uh, accounting for the weight that these guys put on after the season. I mean, they just they keep getting bigger and bigger. And, and a lot of them can play. I mean, a lot of them is not just offering on the base of size. Um, you know, you, 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 there's certain ceilings that go into uh, early, you know, early evaluations of, of these kids. But man, when you've got size and when you've got athleticism and and you've got tape to back it up, it's tough to ignore some of these guys. Penn State has now offered approximately 40 high school freshmen across the country. So a lot of work going into that class already, two cycles ahead of the, the one that we're really focused in on now. Uh, we're going to jump into our five-star mailbag for the first time. It's something that we brought up on the last episode. Uh, thank you very much. A lot of feedback, a lot of responses up on the Apple Podcast page. A reminder, if you may not have listened to that or you just need the reminder, we're going to be doing this on an episode-by-episode basis, trying to grab a question or two, and depending on the week, maybe if there's not a commitment, more than that. Um, and we got a few to choose from. Uh, but anyways, go up there, leave Leave a five-star review, thus the five-star question and the five-star mailbag. It needs to be the five-star review. So with that said, you give us some some kind words or you don't. You just jump right into your question. And as we said, important for us, uh, for our Apple podcast sees this podcast and and sees our visibility. These things matter. We've been told that. So this is kind of a fun way to to drive home that uh, from from our standpoint and hopefully get more engagement from the audience. And and again, you guys have been great. I'm glad we're keeping uh, some folks out there saying it sounds like during this coronavirus shutdown. Trust me, this this podcast is doing something for us too as we're able to kind of get 
get away from from things a bit and, and spend an hour or so talking Penn State football. And you know, the rest of the world awaits outside the door. But this is nice to get to uh, a couple times a week. It's, ni- it's nice. We do this on Skype, so we look at each other when we do it, and uh, we each record our own audio, and then we splice it together and everything. It's nice to see somebody else's face, <laughs> and I love my family so much, and my neighbors are great. But it's nice just to see somebody else. I see you got the quarantine haircut. Thank um, you to my wife, Hillary, for for I I, I I put my trust in her. I said just buzz it. I was my first buzz cut since 2005, like going into my senior year of high school football, and this seemed like the time to just take the plunge and do it again. It, it looks great. Thank you. It looks great. Thank yeah, you. she did a great job. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, but, let's yeah. get to the question because uh, first off, the name's great. Fitz's burner puts in this question along with Body by Galt, both quality names there on the Apple Podcast usernames. Um, you guys both asked different questions or phrased it differently, but you got to the same end result. What are we looking at in terms of 2021 class size? I think people are saying, "Wow, there's a dozen guys on board now." How much room is left in this class? Signed a pretty big class last year. We're not seeing the normal spring attrition on this roster. James Franklin said that. You know, usually there's tough conversations to be had coming out of spring camp. Yeah, there was no spring camp. So right now, Sean, based on what we know, what we're anticipating, um, I certainly think it's fair to say that we are beyond the halfway point in class construction. And certainly fair to say that they would love to for this number to be higher, but you're looking at kind of scraping to get to 20 right now. And, and you mentioned the spring attrition. I don't think that's something that's been talked about enough. I mean, usually you have, you know, probably a couple extra spots that open up and, you know, you'll, you'll get there and, and some spots will open up, but you can't forecast that right now. So I, I'm going with 20. Um, the number probably right now isn't at 20 and the number could be, you know, it could end up beyond 20. And, and that sounds, you know, like I'm hedging my bets here, but all this stuff changes. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. You've got different, uh, options and different opportunities for some guys. And we, we take a look at some of the positions and, and we don't speculate on potential transfers because that's in poor taste, but you take a look at some of the positions that are overloaded. We mentioned defensive tackle a bunch. I think some, some coaches have even mentioned that on your zoom calls is man, there's a lot of defensive tackles on this, on this team and there's more coming. So, um, you, you look at where potential attrition could happen as some of it's fairly obvious, others are not, but, but not having that spring ball is, is really going to hamstring them in terms of forecasting what they can take. And, and, uh, and then going into this, um, you know, taking this question and spinning it to another question, does the NCAA have to do something about the, the 85 limit this year because you don't have this? And, and it's an unfortunate circumstance because, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things that's going to look bad um, if you're saying, hey, I've got 88 scholarships right now. Well, you should be at 85. Well, that's not quite how it works. You know, everybody, it, it's sort of like the elephant in the room. Everybody knows how it works, but you can't just come out and say, yeah, we needed to, to, to trim a couple more guys from this roster. It's a bad look for everybody. So it'll be really interesting to see if they do do some sort of potential waiver situation. And now I'm talking more about the 85 than the 25. They're not up against the 25 this year. If they get to 25, something crazy has happened. So, um, you know, you're looking at 20 right now, maybe a little bit of a grace period there, see what happens with the potential waiver situation and, and go from there. But yeah, really, they've got 12 right now. They have more needs than they have slots. They have, you know, obviously they'd like to add more along the offensive line. They'd like to add a couple of more receivers. Um, you know, more defensive ends, a defensive tackle where, where you get into this, uh, 
you know, this sort of measuring stick is is what happens to some of those positions where you need one guy. Do, do you not take a running back this year? Do you not take a tight end this year? Uh, defensive tackles where you need one guy. Do you take the extra linebacker? I mean, you set out to take one linebacker, but now you've got Kobe King, who probably isn't the level of linebacker that you set out to take when you, you know, when you went to go after a Damian Robinson or, or somebody uh, like a Terrence Lewis from Florida. So, it's, it's a very rough line to walk because you don't know what that number is going to be at the end of the day, um, but you can't over forecast in this situation because you know the spots that you thought you were going to have after the spring aren't there right now. Maybe they're there in August. Maybe they're there in December or February or something like that, but that's a dangerous line to walk because you, can't, uh, you just can't do it. And meanwhile, the guys who did go into the portal, they are in no man's land right now. It's a tricky situation trying to come out the other end of that portal. And I'm thinking about Daniel Joseph, Ricky Slade. We have not learned their destinations to this point. Uh, Dan- Daniel Joseph's going to, to NC State. DJ oh, Brown is the we one did learn that without one a while the, ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. DJ Brown's the one without the uh, the 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 destination Ricky Slade's in there and you're right and and take a look at where they're at right now they can't visit schools they can't see other things and and they're still being recruited by some some programs but maybe you know a kid is looking maybe Ricky Slade's looking at a you know being a power five spot but that power five spot is in a similar situation to Penn State where they can't offer the scholarship right now well I mean that's a that's that's a tough spot to be in and you see that as a player right now if even if you were a player that looked like he was probably going to be on his way out after the spring if it didn't play out you had one of those tough conversations now all of a sudden you look at uh, you can't visit anywhere you can't do that you I mean you can go into the portal and if there's a, a market for you you see Asaya uh, Walker I believe his name is at Florida left uh, Florida after a couple of months there is a market for him because you know he hasn't done anything yet Florida F- Florida State Miami you know were heavily in his recruitment but that's not that's not the case for everybody and, and we've been saying it since the portal became more of a public, uh, uh, I guess a public, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what to what to call it, but before transfers have always been this way. I mean, let's be honest, the portal hasn't changed as much as you thought the portal would change it. But since it's all become more public, I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it. So um, not everybody's going to have that market. Not everybody's going to have that opportunity. And now all of a sudden, if you choose to leave, you better have a darn good idea of where you're going to end up because, you know, you may be left out in the cold without a scholarship. A lot more questions than answers right now across uh, college football. There is no doubt about that. that that's why we have a mailbag. That, yeah. And that's why we're going to try to serve up more. We saw a couple of really good ones that, that we're going to try to expand on the next episode. I promise you, in the meantime, keep sending them our way. All you got to do, give that five-star review, punch that in on Apple Podcasts, um, and, and drop your question. Again, if you want to make a nice comment about the show before the question, that is appreciated. I saw some of you did that. Thank you very much. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to keep it rolling with this uh, mailbag. That's just the start of it. And, and some episodes we'll spend a lot more time on that depending on what the topic of conversation is again we had a commitment here it seems like we have a commitment to talk about just about every time we set up shop to record here but that's going to do it for this one on behalf of Sean Fitz I'm Tyler Donahue and thanks again to all of our loyal listeners out there we'll catch up with you soon should you ever set foot outside of the motel you will be shot don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.